SAFM leading the conversation. Nothing conventional on the viewpoint. Songhez on SAFM. How do we recover the economy? Growth and recovery. Hashtag get essay working. That's a report soon to be released. I understand it shall be released tomorrow. We, of course, have cleared that embargo for the purposes of this discussion. Deputy Head of Policy Research at the Institute of Race Relations, Herman Pretorius, is on the line to just give us a sound bite here and there important issues that they have picked up and certainly perhaps contemplating some of what President Ramaphosa said in his speech a couple of nights ago. Good evening, Herman. Good evening, Zimbabwe. Your thoughts, please. How do we grow and recover the economy because we have taken a beating like no other? Yes, we have taken an enormous beating. And um, I think uh, two questions uh, or two issues. How do, we, how do we grow? We get back to trusting the South African uh, population. South Africans are incredibly entrepreneurial, creative, problem-solving people who for too long had really been legislated and regulated out of opportunities to start becoming actively involved in fixing their communities and the challenges they face through economic activity and economic participation. So that's the first thing, get back to trusting the people. And then secondly, get back to basics as to what works. The ANC saw a decade, about 12 years, of very positive economic development in South Africa between 1996 and 2008. And there were valuable lessons learned there. And if those lessons can be repeated and can be repeated smarter, I think we have a very bright future ahead of us. The most valuable lesson there or the most critical ingredient that the ANC enjoyed at the time was a certain level of public trust and confidence. At its peak, 2004, the ANC took home 70% of the general election. Tabombegi at that time was untouchable. Of course, you mentioned the fact that 2008 was the start of the decline. Well, that coincides with when he vacated office. So let's talk about the value of political authority. Authority in the sense that here is a government that is put in there by the people and for the most part is trusted to deliver on the mandate and the numbers follow suit. Right now, we've got anything but that. Yes, and um, I'm, I'm often irritated by this idea that South Africans, especially black South Africans, are, you know, just voting cattle who just, you know, look at the face on the ballot paper and then associate it with their own skin color and they, uh, on, on, on that they base their vote. It's a very unnuanced and I think quite insulting view of the South African voter. If you look at economic trends, at economic growth, at jobs, at access to housing and electricity and water, the ANC support tracks very, very nicely when material circumstances of people in South Africa improved, ANC support went up. That is why the ANC is now in such deep, deep, deep troubles because the material circumstances that people face are so dire. COVID-19, of course, not making it any better, making it far worse. But we must remember we headed into this crisis already in economic dire straits with investment lagging behind because property rights were unsecured, with policies like BEE not actually benefiting the poorest South Africans. These things need to change. And South Africa has shown it can change when push comes to shove and when crisis comes a knocking. And I think crisis is knocking again and South Africans must discover solutions and form a, a, a new policy idea of how freedom can translate into economic prosperity. And that could give the government a new lease on trust 
and that trust would go both ways. If a government can show the people that they are willing to trust them to make important decisions about finance, about schools, about employment, then I think that trust might be reciprocated and might be reciprocated quite warmly. Election results seem to indicate that. The word trust you've used a couple of times. Let me, let me engage it. I mean, yes, you are right when you say what you say in relation to the people ought to be trusted. But the very same people have shown and proven not trustworthy. For instance, South Africa's engagement with liquor has proven that's why liquor was banned and then it was open and then it had to be banned again. And you can guess what's going to happen tomorrow when it is open. For instance, and I'm using a very narrow approach to engaging the question of trust. We know what's going to happen. We know the relationship between liquor and use of hospital facilities, which in this time in particular, the country should be especially wary of given the fact that the demand on COVID is still very much there. That's the one question in relation to trust. People, yes, should be trusted, but certainly we shouldn't be trusting them to the nth degree because we have proven time and again that we cannot be trusted. I'm talking about South Africa as a society. That's number one. Number two, all of this, because we are where we are, South Africa has to become a social democracy more than any other kind of democracy simply because the numbers require government subvention and support and what have you at a social level before it can start thinking about fancy things at a micro level. Um, let me address the second point first. I think that you are very, that it's a very astute observation that um, because of uh, many, many historical factors, most of them cruel, um, South Africa has an enormous chunk of its population in incredibly vulnerable circumstances. And social support is absolutely vital to making sure that children get food, that the elderly get looked after, and that disabled people have some dignity and quality of life. But again, I think we should look historically. When did the South African grant system function best? Well, it was in the mid-2000s when economic growth made it possible to, on the one hand, have free market economics where unemployment started declining, but where tax revenue was sufficient enough to support those in need the most vulnerable. So I do think that it is a two-hand approach where, on the one hand, you free up the economy so that taxes can pick up, so that revenue can pick up, because then you can look after the very poor and the very weak in our society, making sure that they have their dignity too long denied in this country. And then on the point of whether South Africans can or can't be trusted, I, I, on, on the issue of drink and alcohol specifically, I would encourage people to not take a short-term view and take a longer-term view and look at things like a very, very close correlation between alcohol abuse and poverty. We are living in a time where poverty is becoming even even worse than it was already. So I think it is rather short-termistic to say that you know we can we can stop alcohol flowing for now because we need hospital beds now, only to realise that we are fundamentally undermining the, that very same healthcare system when we next year have to look after TB patients or next year have to look after AIDS patients. It doesn't help to exchange short-term panic decisions for long-term sustainable structural considerations. And I do disagree that the South African people can't be trusted. I think that um, South Africans, every time the South Africans have had to make a big decision, I think they have got it broadly right. And if you look at the opinion polling that the IRR does, South Africans are common 
sends decent people who want to see a harmonious, prosperous South Africa. Agree. No, no, no. I agree, Herman. Mm. I, I, I don't take away from the fact that I think for the majority of the time and part, South Africans can be reasonable people and can be trusted, so to speak. But we have demonstrated every now and then that we cannot be trusted. And unfortunately, it is in those instances when we drop the ball. When for, I'm talking about South Africans, even in government, by the way. The mm. ones in government, for the most part, can't even pick up the ball because that's how seemingly heavy that ball is. I mean, anything you hear in relation to COVID and money in this country now, it's not what a nation should be hearing. How money has been squandered, how, for instance, the NPA now finally, or is it the Hawks who have arrested the people in the free state in relation to the Estina dairy products? This is what we are hearing. The ball has been dropped, and it seems as though now more and more people are becoming fed up and are doing what they can with what they have in the time that they have to do what they believe is necessary to respond. And at times, that response is not necessarily consistent with the trust. Yes, of course, with the majority of the time, South Africans can be trusted. But right now, South Africans are fed up and that eats into or that creates a trust deficit, does it not? I, I think it does, but um, I'm very privileged um, to, to to have the work I to do the work I do. Um, earlier this year, uh, we published an education report too. In fact, the one looking at what has gone wrong in education, and the second looking at what can go right. And the amount of um, support for some of the policies that I got um, on, on especially something like school vouchers was astounding. And it wasn't from your middle-class South African black or white. It was from township mothers who said that they wish they could make the decision to which school their child would go. And, and I always remind myself that if I, want, if, if I want to write a policy, if the Institute of Race Relations wants to promote a policy, then it really shouldn't be thinking of those rascals and rogues that give South Africans such a bad name, but to, to be thinking of the silent majority, the people who genuinely understand their communities, love their communities, and want to see improvement. I, I think, of course, trust has been mismanaged um, oftentimes, but I think that's one of the, 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 the dividends of freedom. Is uh, Freedom is not just the freedom to be prosperous, but the freedom to make mistakes. And I don't think uh, mistakes being made because freedom was abused is a solid reason to say, therefore, that freedom must be curtailed. I think making mistakes is part and parcel of what it means to be a free country. And if we make those mistakes, but we can fix them and we can find a new direction, a new constructiveness, I think we can get out of this crisis with our heads held high. It sounds like you stopped very short of saying we were not ready for this freedom. Let's take a couple of calls. Yes. Scully in Durban, Tepo in Lusikisika. Scully, good evening. Thanks for calling. Good evening to you, Sengezo. It's been a long time, man. Hey, thank you for Indeed. taking my call and useless lack of that. Sengezo, my take on the economic is that the labor brokers should go. And I think I mentioned that long time. I don't. That That is the elephant in the room, you know. Um, after the post-Americana... The Americana people should be, um, the community should be compensated and an apology should be given to them just to ease off the mind and they should be compensated. The, our country needs leadership. That is what we're lacking in every department. Our country needs leadership. The labor brokers should go and we should see that some light after that. Bye. Have a good day. Good night. 
We certainly shall. Thank you so much, Scully. You keep well in KwaZulu Natal. In Lusigisigi, Eastern Cape Tepo, good evening. Final caller for the segment. Tepo? Good, good, good evening, sir. How are you? Well, sir, how do you do? No, I'm fine. You know, you know it's, mm. it's, 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 it's sad, you know. It's very, it's very sad, you know. Our economy is going down, and we're busy beating around the bush. We are failing to face the truth, you know. As black people in this economy, we are not benefiting at all. In, in, in fact, we have been used. Look, look what is it, been happening. The former chairperson uh, of FAA, Mam Dumier, he exposed white people. He became the wrong person because he exposed white people. Now we've got the current sitting president who's busy nursing white people. White people are looting our resources. White people are doing all these shenanigans in our country. And we are, we are quiet. You know, what happened in 1976 is coming in this country. We as young people of this country will take up arms and defend the revolution and defend our economy. Because white people do not want to share the economy. I think what has happened... Thank you. Thanks, Tepo. Thanks, Tepo from Lusigisi. I think you got cut there. You've got two and a half minutes to respond to these two callers. Herman, good evening. Yes, I think the the, the first point about... Um, um, getting jobs and, and, and labor brokers and the, the elephant in the room. I, I do think that the caller is looking at the wrong elephant. Um, if the, the, the elephant in the room is uh, legislation uh, and regulations that make it more difficult for young people, especially young poor black people, to get into the economy. It is, it is, it is uh, well known that um, skills upskilling happens most of the time within employment. So having uh, kicked out the bottom rungs of the ladder through things like uh, the minimum wage and excessive regulation, what is happening is that uh, young South Africans, the majority of them black South Africans, of course, cannot get their foot onto the experience, the skills ladder to ultimately uh, uh, grow um, economically into a more sustainable and, and um, middle class, as it were, position. I mean, you look at the expanded unemployment rate for young black South African males, it's 69.3% on the most recent data available. That's prior to COVID. If you look on the expanded rate for, uh, for black women, um, it's, it's 78.7%. This is astounding. Mm. And this is the consequence of jobs being made unavailable. And that sort of brings me on to Tepo's point. I don't think he is right at all in thinking that South Africa is faced by or is, is just wrecked with racial hatred and racial tension. I don't see that. Um, I don't see that in my ordinary life uh, interacting with people from all walks of life, and I don't see that in the data. What I see is a country frustrated, people frustrated, that for too long they haven't been allowed to have the opportunities and the prosperity they rightly deserve. Um, I, I don't think making this a race issue gets us any closer uh, to, sure. to a solution, and because I don't think it is really based in fact. If we want to know what works to uplift people, to empower people, we can look at our own history, we can look at those first 12 years of ANC governance where many mistakes were made, but also some very good decisions 
were made. The ANC then had the benefit of that economic prosperity. And if they are looking to themselves to see how can they politically survive, I would urge them to look at the material circumstances of South Africans and consider how can you get 78% unemployment for black women down in this country? How can you get 70% of unemployment for black men down in this country? And that will be through policy. Let's leave it there. Herman, thank you so much for your time. Deputy Head of Policy Research, of course, the Growth and Recovery, a strategy to hashtag get SA working report. It will be released tomorrow and more conversations of this kind will certainly ensue here on The Viewpoint. Thanks to Kanya and Lesejo and Brafinius. Let's take a break before we talk to ESCOM.